If I give you my heart, if I give you my soul, if I give you my life, will I struggle no more? If I give you my truth, if I give up control. Questions and doubts. I'm gonna worry less and pray more. Worry less and pray more. I'm gonna worry less and pray more. Worry less and pray I let go You can carry that load You can make all my plans You can face all my fears I can finally see Because my future
the theme of heaven's praises, robed in frail humanity. In our longing, in our darkness, now the light of life has come. Look to Christ who descended, took on flesh to ransom us. Come behold the wondrous mystery, be the perfect Son of Man in His trace nor stain of sin see the true and better Adam come to save the hell-bound man place the great and sure fulfillment of the law in him we stand Come behold the wondrous mystery, Christ the Lord upon the tree. In the stead of ruined sinners, hangs a lamb and victory. See the price of our redemption, see the Father's plan unfold. Good morning, everyone. It is a joy to be able to gather together to sing and to hear from God's word. Uh, if you're new here, we're glad you've joined us. If you're online as well, thank you for tuning in. My name is Jay. I'm one of the pastors here. And we begin each of our services with a call to worship. 
a reminder from God's word uh, of what we are here, what we are doing, and um, how good and how gracious and how wonderful God is towards us. So would you stand with us? We're going to hear from Psalm 148 this morning. Listen to these words and uh, prepare your hearts for worship. It says, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise him in the heights. Praise him, all his angels. Praise him, all his hosts. Praise him, sun and moon. Praise him, all you shining stars. Praise him, you highest heavens and you waters above the heavens. Let them praise the name of the Lord, for he commanded and they were created. And he established them forever and ever. He gave a decree and it shall not pass away. And then he closes the psalm. Let them praise the name of the Lord for his name alone is exalted. His majesty is above earth and heaven. He has raised up a horn for his people. Praise for all his saints, for the people of Israel who are near to him. Praise the Lord. Let's sing together, or let's pray together, and then we'll sing together. Oh God, this psalm calls us to worship you, to join with the earth and all that is in it as it cries out in praise to you. Lord, we do not take this command lightly, and so we ask for your help. Holy Spirit, be with us here. Open our eyes that we may see you, God, our creator, in all your glory. Enable us to worship you. We thank you for Christ, for being our horn of salvation. That through him you have triumphed over your foes and brought salvation to your people. We desire to worship you in light of your power as both creator and and as Redeemer. So please help us to sing to you now. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Now let's sing together. Let's sing together. Come and stand before your maker, full of wonder, full of fear. Come behold his power and glory, yet with confidence draw near. For the one who holds the heavens and commands the stars above is the God who bends to bless us with an unrelenting love. Rejoice! Come and your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice. Sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. Sing, we are children of the promise. Sing it out. We are children of the promise, the beloved of the Lord, one with everlasting kindness, but with sacrificial blood, bringing reconciliation to a world that longs to know 
the affections of a father who will never let them go. Rejoice, come and lift your hands and raise your voice. He is worthy of all praise. Rejoice, sing the mercies of your King and with trembling rejoice. All our sickness, all our sorrows, all our sickness, all our sorrows, Jesus carried up the hill. He has walked this path before us. He is walking with us still. Turning tragedy to triumph, turning agony to praise. There is blessing in the battle, so take heart and stand amazed.
you're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. Let's go again. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down. You're never gonna let, never gonna let me down.
Good morning. Welcome to City Church. My name is Chipper. I'm one of the pastors here. We are a church aspiring to be an authentic community walking with God in our city. Um, welcome to all of you. I love all of you, especially those of you who are new. Uh, maybe you just moved to Gainesville. That's often the case in January. A lot of people are making transitions. Welcome especially to you. We are uh, a church that aspires to be an authentic community walking with God in our city. And actually, we're going to spend a couple of moments talking about what that looks like for us here uh, in 2022 as we turn the calendar into a new year. Uh, if you're anxiously awaiting all these announcements that we would typically do at this time, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but we're going to skip those for now. We're going to take a look at them at the end of our, our service. But for now, I want to say uh, a few words about what we're going to be about as we kind of charge into a new year, which continues to be uh, filled with all sorts of unexpected challenges and difficulties. Um, Jesus makes a lot of promises, but one of my very favorite promises that he makes is found in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, where he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And if you continue to read uh, verse 29 and 30, you will see that he's referring to rest for our souls. He's not promising that we won't have trials and difficulties in this world, but he is promising that uh, even in the midst of those trials and difficulties, we can rest in him as we look forward to the ultimate rest we will experience when Christ returns and we're in the new Jerusalem together as the people of God. So in case you thought I was going to walk up here and just tell you about you know all these million things you have to do you know because I understand that there's a lot of fatigue and tiredness even again as we begin a new year you'll be glad to know that I really sense the Lord calling us to rest in him and to enjoy him and to find ourselves securely hidden in him. Now, there are some implications, as you uh, may have heard in the past. If not, uh, you'll kind of realize it now and even later on as we progress this morning in our time in the preached word, uh, that rest is not opposed to energy and effort. It's more of a posture. And so I want to mention four implications uh, for our resting that I want to hold before you. And these will, this will influence a lot of what we're doing and um, uh, our, our programming and so forth. Number one, uh, one of the most important ways that we as a people of God can rest in Jesus is through prayer. Uh, so basically, the rhythm of the Christian that's resting in Jesus is you inhale the promises of God found in God's word, and then you exhale basically through prayerfulness. So starting this week, so tomorrow night, Monday, right here in the sanctuary at 530, we are beginning our week of fasting and prayer. We do this actually now at the beginning of each semester, fall and spring semester. So starting tomorrow at 5.30, thus begins our week of fasting and prayer, where we will meet Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday evening here at 5.30 for about 30, 35 minutes or so of prayer. Uh, there are guides for this week of fasting and prayer on the hospitality table in the back that I would strongly encourage you to pick up. And then there is a, um, were those in your bulletin? You, those weren't in your bulletin, right? So they're on the back on the hospitality table, then there's actually a mission supplement that goes along with it. So we would encourage you to pick those up, to join us as often as you can, even if you can make it one or two nights, whatever the case, every night we're going to be praying here at 5.30 in the sanctuary. And we would encourage you, if you're medically able to do so, physically able to do so, to fast lunch. So go without uh, eating your lunch, and then come and join us in this prayer gathering, and then break your fast after that, and then spend the additional time and uh, or what have you, uh, during your lunch hours as you're able to spend that in extra prayer. And the guide that you'll pick up on that hospitality table will help 
you figure out, hey, how can I spend this time uh, in prayer? So that's one thing, okay? Number two, resting in Jesus means that we um, sacrificially invest in the well-being of others. As we're going to see in our sermon passage in just a few moments, we consider the interests of others above ourselves. So I would love to call us as a church family to a season of figuring out and discerning, again, as we're going to talk about in a minute, what does it look like to, to actually value the interests of the people sitting around me and this church family above my own in a very real way. Number three, uh, we as a church family, we talked about this in the fall, we are committed to bringing rest to our city, to our neighborhood, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And that means a lot of things. It means community engagement, you know, like mentoring uh, students and caring for people in our community that don't have homes. It means evangelism. And it means, as we're going to get to in just a minute, uh, a very unique item <laughs> that we, we introduced briefly um, in the fall, and I'm going to get to again in just a minute, so I'll circle back to that. And then number four, uh, restfulness as a church family means engagement in global missions as we help uh, people all around the world find their rest in Jesus. So that's what we're going to be about this year, is resting together as the people of God, personally investing in each other, investing in our city, and then investing in the world and helping them rest in Christ and experiencing soul rest um, of a variety that only he can provide. All right, I said there is a unique item when it comes to resting in Jesus pertaining uh, to our city, to our community. And so we're actually going to show a little video here that will include some testimonials. I'm like, what is going on? Just enjoy the video, enjoy the ending, and then hopefully I will land the plane in a way that is very satisfying for all of you. City Church was just beginning, and so there was a heart and a need for service because if um, the community didn't come together, the church service didn't happen. Personally, moving from Ghana and coming to the U.S. for grad school, I was looking for a church community that would um, help me grow in loving God and loving um, my neighbors. Uh, you know, definitely felt the Lord at work in our time there, helping to get things started and reaching to people. And it's been amazing to hear what City Church is uh, up to, uh, what's going on in downtown Gainesville, and that the vision from the start of being a church in the community uh, where needs are is is being realized. I think I always had a, a decent head knowledge of what Christianity was all about. However, I never really experienced God or had any life change or heart change because of my faith. At City Church, I, I think I really encountered God's grace for the first time. You know, the overall sense of engagement and especially the way the small groups operate that it feels like a family. I was able to take over leadership of the hospitality ministry earlier this year in April of 2021. And at first I was concerned that it might be a little bit of a stretch on my time, but I've instead found that it's been a really huge blessing to, to learn to serve. We've expanded our comfort zone for the sake of the gospel and seen God show up again and again. And we now more closely identify with Christ, and that identity touches uh, every aspect of our life. Yeah, City Church has given us a community and um, a place to worship as a family, which has been great. They've cared for us through three children, and um, we've been 
so blessed to grow our family with other families. The Lord has definitely also been working in my life uh, personally while at the church, um, simply in, by introducing me to what it meant to be a part of the body of Christ, um, whether that was being baptized through City Church or if that was being a part of my first uh, group that studies the Bible along other Christians. Um, it's really the first church I joined after coming to believe the gospel in college. So there's certainly been a healthy foundation laid for even my own growth. Welcome to the City Roots Project. As you saw in that last graphic, um, in the Lord's grace and timing, and we've made some allusions to this in the fall, um, we have gotten to the point that in order to provide the kind of rest that we're talking about, to love one another well, to love our city well, um, we have sensed the Lord calling us to um, acquire some more space and renovate it over the next few years. So one of the things you're going to be hearing about in the coming months, and there's going to be a, a formal launch event for this in February, is that um, we are under contract to buy our entire building. All of the suites that are in this, this space, it'll take us up from about 6,500 square feet to about 23,000 square feet, just to kind of give you a sense of things. Uh, and then Lord willing, we will close on that at the end of March, and then over the next two, three years, we will be raising additional funds in order to renovate this and, and create various spaces that will be hopefully very hospitable uh, for you and for our city. Uh, this will not just be a space uh, to accommodate ourselves more effectively and hospitably, uh, but also to love our city well. Um, I could give you all kinds of stories about how the ministry that we're doing as a church is sort of starting to be capped by space limitations um, and trying to do lots of things sometimes at the same time and realizing that it's hard to do them uh, well, and that God has given us so many opportunities, we want to have more space. We have more of an opportunity to, to press into those things. So over the course of the next uh, few weeks, and especially coming in February, we will have a bit of a spotlight time on the City Roots Project, and we'll, there will be various calls to action uh, that we will bring your way. For now, here's what we want you to do. Uh, there are these prayer magnets that are on cocktail tables, definitely over there in the back as well, I believe. You'll see them. Please, and we'll remind you when you leave, consider taking one of those prayer magnets and then putting them on something in your, uh, let's see, car, home, whatever. That is magnetic, right? I think that's how it works. I'm not an engineer. I'm, a, I'm very much a humanities kind of guy. Um, and so 
So pick one of those up and then start praying. There's, there's prayer bullets on these magnets that will guide you in your prayer time. And so would you consider pulling one of those out, um, picking them up, putting it somewhere where you're seeing it and regularly starting to cover this in prayer. Many thanks, especially to Paige Santiago and Josh Covey, if you know them, for leading our prayer team, doing an unbelievable job along with our communications team in, in putting these together. So you can be looking forward to more about that. But I'm going to bring this before you because it will be a significant part of our uh, spring. And I'll say in conclusion that uh, this City Roots project is itself a way for us to minister together. It's not, let's just get through this uh, so we can get the resources we need to close on our building. I think you're going to see that actually the process of going through this will minister to you uh, in its own right. So, on that note, we do come to the preached word, which is very much in line with what we've been talking about this morning. Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Philippians chapter 2 Verses 1 through 11, we are in a series in 2 Corinthians that we put on pause for Advent, and we will get to it again at the end of January, but we have a few kind of special messages here at the beginning of January, beginning with our time here in Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 through 11. passage will be up on the screen. If you have a Bible, we would encourage you to pull that out and follow along with us. There are also blue Bibles in the baskets in front of you, beneath the chairs as you Look through that passage. I'll mention to you that uh, very recently uh, uh, we took our kids to Gatorland, Gatorland in Orlando, uh, which I gotta say was a wonderful place to visit. I don't know what my expectations were, but I had a great time. I think our kids had a great time. Uh, and yet, as we found out, if you are a chicken, uh, you do not like Gatorland very much. Chickens give it one star. You can ask me about that afterwards. I mentioned this because this passage gets at, at least in part, the nature of Christian community, and while we were at Gatorland, I was thinking to myself, and this is probably a trauma wound or, or something like that, but I was thinking to myself, you know who's probably had a better experience of community life these past couple of years than people? Alligators, right? They've just been lying there in the sun for two years, no dust-ups on Twitter, uh, they seem to all be getting along really well with each other, and then I thought to myself, I am actually kind of a gator in a sense. Um, and it was a really pleasant thought, and I just went about my business and continued to enjoy my time at Gatorland. So that's where I'm at right now. Um, and then in the Lord's providence, we come to Philippians 2, 1 through 11. Let me read this passage for us, considering that these are the true and authoritative words of God, starting in verse 1. So if there is any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy... Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. In being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. 
Lord, may your spirit work powerfully that we can hear this passage correctly and simultaneously be convicted where this passage does need to pierce us, but also very encouraged. May this hearing of your word and the application of it be restful for our souls. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, for a church family, the risk in buying and renovating a building is the temptation to switch over into empire building mode to suddenly begin emphasizing size and scale and growth with no clear purpose beyond those things themselves. And you really don't want that, let me tell you, because if you were going to do that, I would, have to, I would have to slick my hair back and I would have to start using words like optimization and leverage and I'd have to start walking very slowly back and forth across this stage and wearing really expensive shoes. So even though we already do this at the beginning of each semester, this is an especially excellent time to consider who we are as a church and how the City Roots project fits into that, lest the project itself change who we are. And how do we figure out who we are? You know, by talking to a bunch of consultants? Not really. By looking at God's perfect and authoritative word, the ultimate consultant. The passage we're considering this morning is famously convicting in a way that's timely and necessary given the prevailing self-interest of our cultural moment. But I've got to tell you, this passage is also about, I don't know, five billion times more encouraging and refreshing than you might imagine. I think about it like this, the as we're going to see here, the bar for faithful Christian living is counterculturally high. I mean, it is, it's really high. But the sports drink that we get to make the leap over that bar makes Gatorade seem like that old bottle of water that's been clinging around in the back of your car for like six months during the heat of the summer that has the mysterious little floaty things in it. So there is essentially a high bar, but the, the energy that we get from the Lord is, is spectacular, as we're going to see. So who are we? Two descriptions of, of that identity this morning. Number one, we're a people united in Christ. And then number two, we're a people united to one another. So we're united in Christ, and we're a people united to one another. And we'll start with that first description. City Church, we are a people united in Christ, one of the most important prepositions in the entire Bible. During our Advent series, we discussed four major reasons why Jesus became fully human, or you might say incarnate, while retaining his full divinity. Remember those four reasons? Number one, he came to adopt us. Number two, he came to redeem us. Number three, he came to reconcile us. And then number four, he came to restore us. Who is us? Those who are united with Christ, or we might simply say, those of us who are in Christ. Union with Christ is effectively the thing behind all of those other things, especially the first three. 
when we acknowledge our penchant for dethroning God in service of worshiping someone or something else and then repent of that sin, of that idolatry, and, and then throw all of our hope upon Jesus, when we do that, our lives become securely hidden with Christ in God, and God lives in us via the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit sent by the Father and sent by the Son. That is union with Christ, something the New Testament refers to, get this, over 200 times. And accordingly, because of this union that we have in Christ, we share in Christ's own familial status as adopted children of God. We share in Christ's cross work and resurrection as the redeemed and reconciled people of God. We share in Christ's inheritance awaiting the conclusion of the restorative work that God is doing even now that will be fully consummated when Christ returns. And in the meantime, God ministers to us in such a way that, see Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, in Christ, that's that union language, we can genuinely experience encouragement, comfort from love, participation in the Spirit, and finally, affection and sympathy. All of those things are on the menu for the people of God, and they are on the menu at all times, regardless of your external circumstances. They might sound like a kind of a fuzzy platitude until we remember that the Apostle Paul is writing this letter to the church at Philippi from jail. And he's personally experiencing everything he's talking about in verse 1, even though his external circumstances are doing him zero favors. There's nothing cute or hypothetical about this for Paul. So I don't have to know anything about your present circumstances to be 100% confident that even now, if you are in Christ, you could be and really should be experiencing God-sourced encouragement, comfort from His love, participation in the Spirit, affection, and sympathy. And we are talking about encouragement and comfort so overwhelming that you could pin a letter in jail that, just as Philippians does, begins with gratitude. Some of us might not be familiar with this participation in the Spirit language, so I'll explain it like this. The Holy Spirit's presence in us makes it possible for us to have fellowship with God, a real two-way relationship with Him that as we will see, ultimately spills over into fellowship with other Christians as well. So we get encouragement and comfort, verse 1, from God in the context of a vibrant relationship with God. And how do we experience these things? How do we experience this encouragement? 
How do we experience this comfort? Answer, wholehearted looking at God. Wholehearted looking at God. Beholding Him. And in doing so, growing in our heart knowledge of who God is and what He's done for us. And what He thinks about us. And I say, Wholehearted, because in church, this is really important. The enemy of truly beholding God isn't really a full schedule. The enemy is, is unfettered distractedness. It's, it's a kind of just manic attention shifting that's, that's fueled by all sorts of things, uh, not least among them right now, the, you know, the dings and, and the beeps of our smartphones and our smartwatches and and tablets and computers and so forth. You can have a whole lot on your plate and still commune with God. But you can't be perpetually distracted and fragmented and really enjoy Him. Are you experiencing these verse 1 gifts? These these get-tos? If you're wondering, uh, where do I start? I would like to behold God. I would like to look at God. What do I do? Here's where you can start. Why don't steep yourself in verses 5 through 11? There's a good place to start. Something that Paul himself is exhorting the Philippians to do in this passage. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Read that. Prayerfully reflect on that. Maybe maybe memorize that. And then see what happens. See what it does to your affections, both for the Lord and for other people. And I will tell you, this is not a a magic bean formula, but press into this regularly, daily. And over time, the encouragement and the comfort will come. Now listen, at this point, I understand you might be saying, you know, Chipper, this is... This is kind of basic. You know, at the end of the day, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of just telling me to read my Bible more. And that's part of it, yes. But realize that, that, and I hear this objection a, a good amount, realize this kind of objection comes from the same folks who rushed in mass in March of 2020 to Seinfeld and the office, and you can read articles about this, because they were rather confident that binge-watching these shows, yet again, would give them a certain amount of comfort during such, you know, unprecedented times. So immersive, repetitive Bible reading should make all the sense in the world to us. We get that concept. We read and watch things over and over again all the time. That concept should make all the sense in the world to us if, if we believe the words contained therein are the words of life. 
if we believe that God has more to offer than Larry David or B.J. Novak? That's the question we all need to wrestle with as we wade into the waters of 2022. And you know, the, the Apostle Paul can lead you to water. <coughs> I can lead you to water. But neither one of us can make you drink. I was thinking this week about Bible translation ceremonies where folks of a, a certain language group receive Bibles in their own language for the first time. I've seen quite a lot of these because you may know I grew up as a, as a kid in a Wycliffe Bible translator's family, so this was my life, and so I would see these videos of, of people receiving Bibles in their, their heart language for the first time. You can watch it online, and I am telling you, the organic joy contained in the faces of those receiving a freshly printed Bible cannot be matched. I'm happy to argue with you about this. Look at these videos, and then let's talk. And here's what that means. Either those folks are overdoing it, and they need to kind of, you know, calm down a little bit, not that big of a deal, or we are dramatically underestimating what we have at our disposal because our hurriedness and our distractedness and our leisure have dulled our spiritual senses. We can't all be right. Church, I, I dare you to risk this year some extra time spent on beholding the Lord, on, on gazing upon Him. I dare you to make the necessary adjustments as difficult as they may be. And then we'll see what kind of encouragement and comfort you might experience from the Lord. What kind of fellowship with Him that might blossom. What kind of rest that you will find for your souls. Now, if we all share in Christ together, which is part of the argument that Paul is making here. We don't share in Christ individually. It's, we do that as a people, as a family of God. If we have a united experience of this union and the benefits that that union affords us, that brings us to our second description. As a people united in Christ, we are a people united to one another. Look again at verse 1, this time continuing through verse 4. So if there's any encouragement in Christ any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy. Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves, that each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. By saying, if... Paul very clearly expects that those who are in Christ would be experiencing the benefits spelled out for us in verse 1. And the proof of that experience is the way that we treat one another in the body of Christ. That's the evidence. If we are experiencing verse 1, we will complete Paul's joy, which is an astounding statement that it indicates he's experiencing some sort of joy in prison that can be completed. If you're experiencing the benefits of verse 1, we'll complete his joy by verse 2, being united to one another 
being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord, and of one mind. This is not sameness in which we discard the unique ways that God has made us and gifted us, and then we all wear matching shawls. That's a cult. That's not biblical Christianity. This is a sameness of posture in which, fueled by our union with God, our union with Christ, we use our unique God-given gifts and insights and resources and so forth in sacrificial service of one another. Service in which, verse 3, we do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than ourselves. That might be the most convicting verse in the entire Bible. Service in which, verse 4, we look not only to our own interests, but also to the interests of others. So do you see the logic here? Do you get the flow? God the giver gives us rest for our weary souls, which fills us up in such a way that we can and clearly should pour ourselves out in the service of others that we might join God in giving them spiritual, physical, and emotional rest. That's the logic. And very importantly, that, that leaves us with the following adage of sorts. If we pursue community itself, we will end up focusing on our own interests and primarily being takers, which undermines and frankly ruins biblical community. But if we pursue God the giver, zealously desiring to behold him, to gaze upon him, and enjoy him, he will give us what we need, which frees us to be givers to other people. And then we'll be extravagantly generous givers, not box checkers, because God's generosity to us inspires us to do the same. That's why Paul directs us to the example of Jesus here in verses 5 through 11. How can we consider Jesus' preeminent example of sacrificial generosity, you know, becoming human and enduring all of the difficulties that go along with that and eventually becoming obedient to the point of death on the cross? How can we consider all of this, Paul is saying, and not feel at least a little something in the area of sacrificial generosity? And if that does not kindle some sort of fire underneath your caboose, nothing else will. <coughs> so if we want community, interestingly, we pursue the Lord, and then the community starts flowing. Sacrificially other-interested community, where we pay even more attention to the needs of others than our own. Other-interested community in which we invest in the whole family including people who have different affinities and different political affiliations, including people we probably wouldn't be friends with apart from our common bond in Christ, even those who might have been our enemies were it not for Christ. Notice, by the way, that the blessings that we enjoy here in the Lord are directly connected to communal engagement in the body of Christ. You see this? Me and Jesus is not biblical thinking, not even close. I, I understand that 
There are people even sitting here this morning that have been seriously wounded in the context of Christian community, which understandably casts a shadow over the entire enterprise. But here's the thing. God has this way of using the same body of Christ to bring you healing as well. Maybe not the same community of people, but a community nonetheless. I wish I could sit down and tell you how many stories I have heard of people who were wounded by a Christian community and found themselves outside of it who were brought back and experienced healing through other people in the body of Christ. It happens all the time. And consider this, and this is probably the most uncomfortable part for all of us. The reason, the reason why entities like local churches can be rather complicated communities is because you are a part of them. <laughs> And so am I. And we bring all of our issues right through the door. As others have noted, um, you're never really stuck in traffic. You are the traffic. Hate to break it to you. And we can say a very similar thing about Christian community. If you catch yourself constantly talking about how disappointed you are with Christian community, remember that you are the community. City Church, this is who we are. This is what we're getting at when we talk about being an authentic community, walking with God in our city. (coughs) We're resting in God together by beholding and communing with Him, and then we work out of that rest by sacrificially investing in one another, and ultimately in our city as well, spiritually, physically, and emotionally. And every one of us would do quite well to consider what these rhythms might look like in our lives here in 2022. I can't do that work for you, but I will mention the following clarifications and guardrails, four of them here as we close. Number one, seasonality is a normal part of Christian community. Sometimes you'll be doing a whole lot of giving and pouring out into the lives of other people. Oftentimes, other times, you'll need the body of Christ to rally around you. And that does not mean you're being an insufferable taker. Number two, growth and sacrificial otherness mainly comes through beholding, not leaving here in the throes of guilt and then just sort of yelling at yourself or yelling at other people. I saw a piece recently in the Atlantic called, this is the title of the piece, Some Americans No Longer Believe in the Common Good. There are some useful reflections in there, although I always think this is a complicated topic to write about because sometimes what we believe to be people not caring about the common good actually means that they have a different understanding of the common good than we do. It's for another time. However, the reason I mention this piece is that the main solution to the caring about the common good problem, at least in the eyes of this author, seemed to be making people feel really bad about their lack of concern for the common good. Is conviction sometimes necessary and helpful? Yes. But it will get us nowhere unless it moves us toward the Lord so he can minister to us and renovate our hearts. So just like I don't think that this piece from the Atlantic will really affect much 
lasting change, neither will our efforts to simply just do better get us very far at all. You get like two weeks out of that, and then you run out of gas, and it's back to how it was before that. Here's one more way to look at it. When I see professing Christians dropping the ball when it comes to sacrificial engagement, I'm usually, as a pastor, more sad than I am angry. (coughs) And I'm sad because a lack of engagement suggests that they are missing out on the verse 1 benefits that we talked about earlier, that they're not experiencing this encouragement from the Lord. They're not experiencing this comfort, and that's devastating to me, pastorally. And with every fiber of my being, I want to find those people. like, Let me help you experience the Lord in all of his glory and goodness so that it might flow out into this sacrificial engagement that we're talking about. Number three, sacrificial otherness, as well as beholding God, will always be countercultural in some way. So if your lifestyle looks pretty much the same as those around you who aren't walking with Jesus, I guarantee you that something is off. And the more individualistic and and self-focused our cultural moment becomes, the more the gap will widen between Christian faithfulness and the way the world is living. And then number four, sacrificial otherness should mean relational diversity. If you mainly, or probably worse, exclusively spend time around people of the same age and stage and socioeconomic status and and recreational interests, something is off. Some of this is is fine since friendships are often formed around facing common goals together, uh, to kind of borrow a bit from C.S. Lewis. But Christian faithfulness and generosity will mean mean spending very significant relational time around those who are very different than us in the ways that I've just been describing. So a really wonderful habit um, as you're making your resolutions or, or whatever for 2022 is to just simply think about who am I spending time around? And is that in line with the expectations that we're talking about here, the kind of expectations spelled out for us in Philippians chapter 2. I'll just close with a a comment one more time about the building to bring us full circle. Why are we we after this building? Well, number one, the providence of God. If you will believe it, we've been kind of looking around for spaces, but our landlord actually came to us and said, hey, you want to buy this thing? And long story short is we weren't expecting that development. But as we thought about it and prayed about it, we're like, man, this seems like the Lord pushing us toward this opportunity. We've seen the need for more space in every area that we're, that we're doing ministry in right now. But at the end of the day, we would get this space in order to do these sorts of things that we're talking about. And then to equip and send other people to plant more churches and to be missionaries in all kinds of places around the world to, to do these sorts of things. We have zero interest in building a skyscraper, we have a lot of interest in faithfully pursuing the mission that God has given us and pouring ourselves out for the benefit of each other and then for our city. Amen.
Every week at City Church, you participate in the Lord's Supper together as a people of God, an opportunity to come and to not only remember, but to be spiritually nourished as the Holy Spirit works in us and through us as we partake in this meal. The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was to be betrayed, shared a meal with his disciples, and during it, he took the bread, and he broke it, and he said, this is my body given for you. Do this whenever you eat of it in remembrance of me. And then in a similar manner, after the meal, Jesus took the cup, and as he poured it, he said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink of it in remembrance of me. And then Paul says, as often as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes again. We are resting in Jesus until Jesus returns to give us ultimate rest. In the meantime, we are proclaiming that good news to the people that live, work, play among us. If you're a follower of Jesus, come rest in Jesus by participating in this meal. Take all of your, your weariness and your burdens to him. Confess your sin and come and receive this bread in the cup. There's going to be an elder or a deacon at either side of this table. Um, they'll each be holding a little bowl with some wafers in it. You can simply come forward. They will take a wafer and put it in your hand. And then after that, there'll be some, you'll see them, some cups of juice right here. You can simply pivot um, and then take a cup. You're welcome to pray and reflect up here um, if you'd like, or you can definitely do that back in your seat as well. And if you missed everything I was describing, just watch somebody else do it. I think you'll get the picture. After communion has been served, um, the elder or deacon are going to move kind of over towards that door and that door, and they're available for prayer if you'd like some prayer. So please consider approaching one of them. Hey, and if you're wondering, like, do these guys really need more space? Well, yeah, because that's literally the best space we have to pray with people in our building right now is over there and over there. And so among the many things that we will benefit from in this new space is more dedicated space where we can have these kinds of prayer times and gatherings and you can be ministered to by our elders and deacons, which would be just wonderful. Let me pray for us and then you'll be dismissed for communion. Lord, thank you for this time that you've blessed us with to rest and to be nourished in Jesus and your son. I do pray that your spirit would work as we give ourselves in faith to this meal, that it would change us and uh, transform us. And for those that are here that aren't followers of Jesus, instead of taking this meal, I pray that they would simply reflect and be uh, ministered to by this message that we were just talking about, this passage. Would you uh, freshly um, pierce their hearts? We love you, Lord. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
you've come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. Forgiveness was born with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Sing together. Jesus Christ, oh come to 
Keep singing together. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin. Lost without hope with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began. Sing Ash was redeemed. Ash was redeemed, only beauty remains. My orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my fear rose to death. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace. Washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your endless love pouring down. from my chains I'm a prisoner no more my shame was a ransom he faithfully bore he cancelled my debt and he called me his friend when death was arrested and my life began oh your grace is so Washes over me. You have made me new. Now life begins with you. It's your Displayed on a criminal's cross. Darkness rejoiced as though heaven had lost. But then Jesus arose with our freedom in 
never amen when death was arrested and my life began oh we're free free forever we're free come join the song of all the redeemed yes we're free free forever amen when death was arrested and my life began oh when death was arrested and my life began when death was arrested and my life began really been wonderful worshiping with you this morning thank you so much for being uh, a part of this church family. Just a few announcements. I told you this is going to happen before we end. Uh, number one, our community groups are up and running again. Small groups of people that meet in homes throughout the week. We meet once a week. We eat meals together. We serve together. We pray together. We study God's word. Information on the hospitality table in the back. Please consider checking that out. These groups are always open to everybody. They're never closed. So you can never, they're never just like, no way. They we're here. We'll let you in the door. You can even show up randomly and come. Um, so that's happening. Remember that we have this prayer gathering, uh, this, this week of pra- uh, fasting and prayer that starts tomorrow night. So that'll be uh, each night here at 5.30. We would encourage you to fast a meal. Even if you're not going to come to this gathering at night, we would still encourage you to consider fasting uh, and praying. And you have the uh, prayer guides on the back table that we would encourage you to get. And then we have the prayer magnets if you want to start praying for the City Roots Project. I don't want to see any of those suckers left on these tables when I leave here, okay? So go pick those up and put them on your refrigerator. Um, We are going to have a taste and see lunch for folks uh, two Sundays from now, so not next Sunday, but the Sunday after that we're going to have, or not lunch, it's more of a a snacking opportunity, um, where we'll have a few folks from our staff that are going to tell you more about who we are, what we're doing in downtown Gainesville. It'll happen after each service. Put that on your calendar, and hopefully we'll see you there on January the 23rd. I think I'm doing well here. that seems good enough. No, last thing. Uh, we have an installation service. This, I'm really glad I did not forget this because this is my favorite announcement of all. Um, so Jay Hand at our members meeting in December was uh, installed formally by our members as a pastor here at City Church, um, which is wonderful. Yeah, you can woo that. That's a good thing. So um, if you caught it, he introduced himself as one of the pastors here at City Church this morning. Um, and we are going to have a formal kind of installment service for him on the 23rd at 1.30 in the sanctuary. Probably like 30 or so minutes, uh, we'll have some kind of give some charges for Jay, give some people speak, we'll pray for him. So we would encourage you to either come to the first service, very long brunch, come back, or go to the second service, shorter meal, and then come and be here at 1.30 so we can celebrate Jay together. So I hope that we will see you there. All right. We worship a generous God. Part of our generous uh, our response to God's generosity is giving generously. You can give online, citychurchgmv.com slash give. There's an offering box in the back as well. All right, hear this benediction, and we'll sing the doxology together. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise. 
is Father's Son and Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Questions and doubts. I'm gonna worry less and pray more. Worry less and pray more. I'm gonna worry less and pray more. Worry less and pray more. I'm not striving in my own strength, I'm striving in yours. I'm not trying to find my own way, I'm walking that course. Not thinking about my own plans, I'm thinking about yours. With you, my steps are safe, you motion me forward, yeah. And now I'm moving in a different place. Yeah.
you walk into a new day in the valley of the victory no he's never 